Hello everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of Everything is Tragic with Hillary Star. I am your host, Hillary Star. Welcome everyone. Um, as you can hear, <clears throat> my sexy sick voice is in full throttle. I hope this voice never leaves. I'm just going to keep coughing aggressively for the rest of my life. I am going on week two of um, flu-like symptoms. Uh, I'm not contagious anymore. I don't think, but I am coughing and I'm surprised I'm not coughing anymore. I think I coughed my lungs out shortly before hitting record. Um, so I should be fine, but, uh, yeah, no, there was no episode last week because I had the flu really bad. Um, and the week before was Thanksgiving. I hope everybody's Thanksgiving was great. Pretty sure it was better than mine. My mom was in DR thriving, living her best life, spending time with my grandma and I was suffering here with my dad, who doesn't know how to cook, let alone order takeout for Thanksgiving, because my sister's boyfriend got food poisoning, and I got the violent shits from this restaurant that we ordered from. But we're here. We're thriving. We are doing our best. Um, so hopefully my parents are not listening to this episode, because mom and dad, this is your tape. This episode is for my minority kids out there, to my Asian minorities, to my East Asian, Indian, Pakistani, all my Middle Eastern, Mediterranean even, and Hispanic, and even Black, African, all the, all the good stuff. All of my first generation immigrant children out there who um, have struggled growing up as a first generation. You know, you see the memes nowadays and you're just like laughing at it. But when you really think about it, like what we went through growing up, you're just like, how, you know, a lot of things make sense. I can see why I am the way that I am. I can see why I have the absolute worst people-pleasing tendencies. I can see why I feel the need to make someone happy the moment I sense that I'm making them upset. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things that I'm just like, where did this come from? And it's like, well, you know, being raised by short-tempered Dominican parents, that'll do it. <laughs> that'll do it. Um, so I feel like I, I need to start from the beginning. Always. You always got to start from the beginning because there's always an origin to these type of stories. And before I get into it, I just want to let you guys know my parents are amazing people. Trust me, if my parents were shit people, I would I would not be afraid to say it. My parents are amazing people. Every intention they had in raising me, it was always with good intention. Um, I feel like they just went about it the wrong way in a lot of things where I'm just like, hey, you know, if you grew up in the United States, I feel like I would have had a very different life. Probably not a happier life because I had a happy childhood. You know, I, I'm happy that I can say my parents gave me the best childhood that they could give me. Um, but I feel like it could have been better. And you'll understand what I'm talking about. Um, if you're listening, I just want to show off the fact that I'm wearing a vintage Millennium Backstreet Boys uh, tour shirt. I don't want to say how much it was, but I got it from a thrift store in California. So that should tell you enough how expensive it was. So we're just going to get right into it. Uh, sit back, relax. Let's let's shed a few tears together. Let's, let's die a little inside. <laughs> so starting off, my parents came to New York 
along with millions of other Dominicans in the early 90s. I don't know what it is with New York and Dominicans. Same thing with Puerto Ricans. I don't know what it was with New York and, you know, these Caribbean people. It, it was always Puerto Ricans and Dominicans. It wasn't a lot of, you know, Cubans. But then, like, there's a lot of Mexicans here, a lot of Colombians, Ecuadorians, Salvadorians, Venezuelans. Uh, but I haven't met a lot of Cubans. Huh. It's actually really interesting. But anyways, so my parents emigrated to New York back in the early 90s. Um, they wanted to move to a quaint white neighborhood because that's what every minority parent wants to do. They want to move in with the whites. I don't know what it was with my parents being so obsessed with living in white neighborhoods or like neighborhoods that were predominantly white. Uh, like I get it. My parents wanted me to go to a good school. They wanted me to live in a neighborhood where it was safe. Like every, like I mentioned in the beginning, every intention that my parents had were good, but it was also like, you know, I know your intentions were good, but it was also like, you know, maybe we should have like grown up in a neighborhood where there was like a little bit of diversity because I was completely whitewashed and I didn't really get in touch with my Dominican-ness and my Dominican culture until I was way older. I'm talking like early 20s. If my stomach is growling and you can hear it, then this is an amazing microphone. Um, I have my mic pretty close to my stomach. I hope you can't really hear my stomach growling. What should I eat today? Anyways, so I think I might order Indian food, but Okay, so getting back to this episode. So I grew up, so I started out in Queens, which the area that I grew up in was heavily Indian and Filipino, I think, and um, and black. And I loved growing up in that neighborhood. It was uh, Belrose, for those of you that live in New York, specifically in Queens. I grew up in Belrose. I went to PS33 for elementary school but then I went to Long Island for elementary for the rest of elementary school because uh my teacher taught in Long Island and she told my parents that the school systems were not advanced in Queens and uh I would get a better education in a white school pretty much in a school in Long Island where they had better funding and it was very true when I got to this new school I was learning shit that I was not going to learn for years in my other school in Queens, which should tell you something about like, you know, these uh, poor neighborhoods and like the school systems and the education, like the, like in these white neighborhoods, like they put money into the schools, like infrastructure, education, like the programs and stuff into the arts, you know, they, they really, they really put their money's worth into these schools. Um, did it make a difference in me? No, because I always hated school. So I really didn't give a shit about that. Uh, and that really reflected on my report cards because I was never a good student. Math, oh my God, math was my worst subject. I needed a tutor every year. And I understand the frustration with my parents because my parents didn't speak a lick of English. So them trying to teach me how to do math and 
how to do my reading homework and English homework, it was always very hard. So I always had tutors. There was always that disconnect. Um, but when I went to like kindergarten to third grade in PS33 in Queens, the school was heavily minority based and it had a lot of students where like a lot of parents didn't speak English. Like English was not their first language. Like my one neighbor was Filipino and her parents didn't know English. And my other neighbors, she was Pakistani and her parents didn't know a lick of English, but they were my best friends. And my parents somehow were able to talk to these parents. So, you know, even though they didn't speak the same language, they somehow still understood each other. If there's one thing New Yorkers are going to do, they're going to communicate, even if the language is not <laughs> the same. Um, and I think that's like a good first point to go to when it came to growing up uh, with parents that didn't speak English. My parents didn't really go to parent-teacher conferences, and if they did, I had to do the translating, and if I did not know what the fuck the teachers were saying because I was in second grade, you know, that was one thing. I went, I'm pretty sure, I have a vague memory of going to extra help, like ESL type shit, because I had issues with... um not my vocabulary, but more learning how to speak because technically my first language was Spanish. And then I was learning English in school, the TV I used to watch, you know, growing up watching Hey Arnold, Rugrats, Barney, you know how there's alcoholics, people loving their alcohol. I was a Barney-holic. I had Barney slippers. I had Barney bed sheets, toys, plushies, all that good shit. Um, I think Barney came out with like mac and cheese at one point and I made my mom buy me that oh no it was a rugrats um but you know I was heavy on Barney so Barney taught me how to sing how to dance how to speak how to read my cousin who was a little older than me she taught me how to read in Spanish and also in English so I learned a lot of English through television and music thank you Backstreet Boys shout out um and Britney Spears and Celine Dion. Those were like the the top three artists that I started listening to really heavily when I started learning how to speak. Uh, So it was like Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, um, NSYNC, Celine Dion. Did I say Celine Dion? Who else did I used to listen to a lot? Oh my God, there were so many artists, but those were like, those were the big ones. And Barney, of course, Barney and Friends. So then, you know, I had a tutors growing up. My mom wasn't good with like math and stuff. My dad was good at math, but my dad was working all day. My mom also wasn't a stay at home mom. So she, I always had babysitters, but my mom was very present. You know, it was like weird because it was like, I vaguely remember being raised by my mom that much in like the early, early years, but I still remember my mom raising me throughout, like, like my mom stopped hiring babysitters after my sister was born. So like maybe 2002 ish. So like I had babysitters all throughout like my toddler to like child years. But then after that, I had no more babysitters, but my mom was still very present in those years, even though I had babysitters. Um, My mom never let me, when Harry Potter came out, 
Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. When it came out on video cassette tape, she bought me the video cassette tape. It was great. You know, she didn't know English, so she had no idea what the fuck she was buying me until she's what she caught me watching the movie and she was like wizards no she threw it out and then she bought me lord of the rings having no idea that it was about like warlocks and wizards and she also threw that out um (laughs) that was always so funny because i wanted to watch harry potter so bad but she never let me watch it uh my mom never sent me to school for halloween because um she didn't believe in well, we we also I was also raised Christian, um, which I understand that part. But there was also like those Christian parents were like they didn't celebrate Halloween, but they would take their kids trick or treating at least. Like they wouldn't decorate, they wouldn't celebrate Halloween, but they would take their kids trick or treating after work, after school. You know, let their kids dress up as a mummy. You know, run out of toilet paper and just dress them up as a mummy real quick and take them trick or treating. But no, my mom wouldn't even send me to school. So I never got that experience of having the Halloween parties or going to another classroom. You remember when they used to do that? I used to only hear about it. I remember the Christmas parties. I remember those where I used to go to other classrooms and like we would have like joint Christmas parties and I would bring in like cookies from Kifu, like the Entenems. You know what I'm talking about? The soft cookies. Um, Yeah, those were always... Those were always so much fun. But then I was always like, damn, I wonder what these parties must have been like on Halloween. If you hear my neighbor's dog barking, I'm so sorry. I can't do anything about it. Um, So yeah, so then in that area of like my childhood, I was able to have a good time without realizing, hey, this could have been better. I don't know if this was a minority thing, but I wasn't always allowed to have every toy I wanted. Every time we went to Toys R Us or like Target, it was usually like the Targets. My mom didn't take me to Toys R Us that much. Um, You know, I grew up pretty fine. We weren't struggling financially, which, you know, is a blessing. Uh, We weren't really struggling. Like we weren't rich, but we were well off. Like my parents were able to provide for me and stuff. But my mom never like willingly took me to toy stores and bought me toys i don't know if this is a minority thing this might just be my mom's personality but we never went to toy stores i never had the chance to like you know pick a toy and like i like my mom would buy me toys but it wasn't always like she would just take me to toys r us to buy me toys or like we would be at home deep home depot at tj maxx or like a target and it was very rare for her to say yes to buy me a toy and again i don't know if that was a minority thing but i don't know she always said no and yeah i had a lot of toys it was christmas but um yeah so i mean you guys can let me know like if you're a minority did your parents ever take you to toy stores you know like when all these ads would run like the zoo books the zoo pals those plates with the animal faces on them phloem all these fucking toys the moon shoes all these toys that would show up on tv and i wanted them so bad and my mom wouldn't buy them for me that shit would tear out my heart tear me from limb to limb um 
And again, I don't know if it's a minority thing, but I'm just going to share it as if it's a minority thing because I've spoken to other minorities and they've also said the same things like their parents being really restrictive on like not getting them toys that they wanted. And Andrew, my husband, who is white, raised by parents who grew up in the U.S., American, born and raised, he would get all these fucking toys. Like if he wanted something and it was like a TV order, you know, because you got to know English on how to order this stuff. My parents didn't understand the concept of ordering stuff on the TV and ordering toys on the TV. They just saw it as expensive plastic that didn't need to be having their hard-earned money spent on. Uh, My dad was a salesperson for a hair product distributing company. Like it was a company that distributed different brands of hair care products and he worked his way from like a delivery guy to like a manager. So my dad worked his way up and now he's a manager. Um, he's been in the same company for almost 30 years. And now he's so far into this managing position, the sales manager position where like he'll wake up at 11, 12 p.m. and he'll go to work at 2 p.m. And we're like, bro, you're going to work now and he'll come home at like 5 p.m. And he's like, yeah, it was a good day at work. I'm like, bro, did you even go to work? But honestly, love to see it. He's worked so hard um, since I was a kid to provide us, to provide me, my sister, and my mom a good life. And I really appreciate that. Uh, And my mom, too. My mom was a hustler. She was, you know, the cliche Hispanic women, the cleaning ladies. Um, And it was crazy because, like, I'll admit this now, but you know, I was embarrassed of my mom being a cleaning lady. This, you know, this conversation is going to go through different paths. Eventually I'll find my way. But if I don't, that's totally fine. Because talking about growing up as a minority, it's, it it can go with so many different ways. So wherever, whatever, whichever direction this goes, it's going to be the direction that it goes in. But my mom was a cleaning lady since I was born and her and my aunt uh, started doing it when I when I was a baby. So my mom has always been a hard worker. She was never the type to be a stay-at-home mom, but eventually she did become a stay-at-home mom after my sister was born for a little bit, and then she went back to work. Um, but my mom was a cleaning lady, and I remember being embarrassed in elementary school, middle school, and even like high school when people would ask me like what my parents did, I would have no problem telling people that my dad was like a manager or something. But the moment that people would ask me what my mom did, I would say like, oh, she cleans. But like I was never confident enough to say that she was a cleaning lady, which is like, why would you be embarrassed of your mom hauling ass and hustling, working hard to provide for you, you ungrateful dickhead. <laughs> like, I would be, like, twerking to High School Musical 2 in the basement with my sister. And, like, my mom's, like, scrubbing bathrooms for people. And I'm over here, like, embarrassed to say, like, what she did. Like, my mom was a really hard worker. And I hate that I always grew up with that embarrassment of, like, damn, my mom was a cleaning lady. And now I'm like, yeah, my mom makes bank cleaning houses She's her own little business owner or whatnot. Um, And I I really hate that I was embarrassed for so many years. I remember when I was a kid, 
uh, when I would when I would get sick or on days that like I just wouldn't go to school, I would go to work with her. And those were always the funnest days because I never knew where I was going. I just knew I was going with my aunt and my mom. We would haul ass to like bumblefuck Long Island to some big ass white people's houses and like clean their houses. And I would sometimes help. But for the most part, I would go into the kids rooms and I would play with the Barbies and the Bratz dolls. And I would play with the toys that I always wanted, but I never had. But I always found those toys in those houses. So I would be super hyped. Um, So then my I don't know if I mentioned this, but my parents always wanted me to grow up in white neighborhoods because it was safer. And my parents are very whitewashed Dominicans. So they wanted me to be a whitewashed Dominican. You know, they wouldn't say it, but, you know, they had me growing up in these neighborhoods. If you see the music I started listening to, you could 100% tell that I was whitewashed from the start, you know? Um, And, but like my mom would play like, Juan Luis Guerra and like Camilo Sesto like she would play all the good Spanish music and she would watch the Telemundo she would watch Laura Caso Cerrado you guys remember that uh she would watch Caso Cerrado um and like Mujeres Casos de la Vida Real which was like like I could understand why my mom became more and more paranoid the older I got because my mom would watch these shows And it was like, it was just watching like these documentaries, these mini documentaries of like girls getting raped and kidnapped and killed because like they went out for ice cream with their friend and then they never came home that night. Or like my mom always watched the fucking news. And I don't know about you guys, but Hispanic news, I posted a TikTok about this a long time ago. And you guys were vouching for this, for those of you that follow me on TikTok. uh, How traumatizing these news people are on Telemundo and Univision. Like, they'd be reporting the wildest shit. And my parents would just be sitting there soaking it up, all scared to, like, send me back to school. And I'm like, I'm like, guys, come on. Like, there's a reason why you're like this. Like, there's a reason why we have this trauma and we need to work through it hard because (laughs) what is going on so you know my parents became more and more paranoid the older I became and that is where we started to clash a lot and this is where the childhood trauma and the trauma of being a first generation Dominican American really comes into play um but yeah like my mom was like that typical like Saturday mornings like you wake up uh, if you're sleeping past 10 p.m., she's coming into the room, she's opening the blinds, and like you just hear that music blasting, and she's like, Wake up, do something productive. Like, you were never allowed to have a lazy day in this fucking household. You had to wake up and do something productive with your time. If it wasn't homework, it was cleaning. If it wasn't cleaning, my mom didn't make me cook, uh, because she would always do it, but eventually she wanted me to learn how to cook, but I never gave a fuck about doing that um and I also wasn't a good student so you would never catch me studying but yeah so growing up uh in a Hispanic household um I mean what what else is there to say like you know the pots and pans were stored in the stove 
we have the bags and the bags in the plastic bags, which were in the plastic bags and stored in the plastic bags. We have that one cabinet uh, decorated, dedicated to all the Tupperware. And every time you opened it, everything would fall out. But my mom somehow had it very organized. But I always fucked it up whenever I put them away. Um, My mom would clean with so much fabuloso. I used to go to school and people could smell the fabuloso radiating off of my pores. Um, Yeah, and... So moving on with like my school years, I started getting into that phase of school where like people were starting to make friends. Like this is like middle school, high school, and I started making friends, but I wasn't allowed to go to people's houses, which is why I feel like I didn't have my own friends because it was so hard for my mom to trust anybody to let me go to their house because they have dads and like I get it now like I do understand but it's like come on at least get to know some of the parents because like there's no way that you could shelter me that much and like rid me of having a childhood where like I can reminisce on like prank phone calling boys at 10 p.m with my friends you know uh I wasn't really I was allowed to go to the mall with my friends Uh, But that was very rare. It was really rare for my mom to let me do something like that. And if she allowed me to do something like that, again, that was was a miracle if I was allowed to do that. (laughs) This is where my relationship with my parents started to get a little rocky, okay? So I got older, you know, more mature. My tits are coming in. My ass is looking fire. Andrew and I are dating. We're in our honeymoon phase. And my parents start giving me these unbelievable curfews that were like sending me over the edge. Like the, like jumping off the Empire State Building was looking like a wet dream for me because it was just getting too much. And it was like, is it because my parents are minorities or is it just because they want to fuck with me and they just want to be assholes and not let me have this freedom and it was 100% because they were minorities like yeah there were those minority families where like you know the kids got older and so the parents started letting loose a little bit but for the most part like from minorities that I've spoken to uh in the past few years you guys have also spoken about how it was kind of the same situation that I had where like you had curfews you weren't allowed to drink my mom is huge on the drinking like not liking alcohol or anything but you know it's just one of those things again I hope she's not listening but it's just one of those things where I'm like I drink I don't drink heavily I haven't drank in like a month and a half alcohol is not something that like I start drinking and I'm like ooh, I think I'm gonna become addicted and my mom's theory is like you have a sip of wine and you're gonna become addicted and I understand where she's coming from because she was raised around alcohol and she had like an alcoholic father like I get that but it's the again going back to the whole you know you can't change your parents uh who are set in their ways you just have to kind of go with the flow or cut them off and me I just go with the flow I don't tell my mom that I drink I'm just like yeah I drink sometimes maybe not at all but I drink way more than I lead her to believe um 
and so like in those age like in that age of like 20 21 where like my cousins were going out I was a designated driver because I wasn't allowed to drink and also my mom would be able to smell the liquor and um I would go out but if I went out with my cousins I was able to stay out way later because I was going out with my cousins who were older than me and my mom trusted them with her life and so it was easy for me to you know go out with them without having to worry about a curfew but the moment that I asked to go out my mom would give me the biggest attitude if it was with Andrew if it was with friends like I remember the first time my mom found out that I had sex it was at a bad time it was at a time where I had a UTI and I had an ovarian cyst that ruptured Ooh, child when I tell you that was like the most awkward two weeks of my life because my mom didn't speak to me for about two weeks because um I was having like these pains and I fucked up and I said to her oh Andrew is so relieved that I'm not pregnant or something <laughs> she was like why would he think that you're pregnant and I'm just like <laughs> Like, I definitely dug myself a huge hole because why the fuck would I say some shit like that? Obviously, my mom would assume I was having sex. But again, this is where it goes to me being the first child, being the experiment child. My sister had it so much easier. My sister was able to have a boyfriend in high school. And I'm like, you, you Dominican family, you, Vilma and Oscar, you guys are allowing my sister to have a boyfriend in high school? when I wasn't even allowed to go to my prom, okay? Where are my minorities that weren't allowed to go to their proms? Or I see you. Or have graduation parties. I see you. I see you. You are being heard. Um, yeah, I wasn't allowed to do none of that shit. My sister went to her prom. She went to... My sister had a good life. She had a boyfriend out of high school. That kid was a piece of shit. That kid was a work of art. And you couldn't tell my sister shit about that guy, but I saw right through him. Uh, she has been released from the shackles, thank God. But yeah, no, like, it's unbelievable. I'm like, And then I, I wonder, I think to myself, how different would my life be if I was the younger sister and my sister was the older sister? Would I be happier? Would I be less stressed out? Would I be the medical student? Like... How different what would my life have been if I was the minority, the minority, if I was the younger, <laughs> if I was the younger sibling, um, and it's, you know, and then that was the age also where I started getting more in touch with my Dominican roots. Like I've always had like, you know, good awareness of being Dominican. Like my mom always cooked Dominican food, the rice and the beans and the, the platanos and the mango and listening to Juan Luis Guerra, like listening to merengues, all the classic merengues and bachatas. Like I grew up Dominican. I grew up being raised as a Dominican, but lifestyle was wise my mom wanted me to grow up as like American, like white American, like listening to ABBA. Like my mom also loved ABBA and that's why I'm obsessed with ABBA because of my mother. Um, and li again, living in white neighborhoods where like I'm exposed to nothing but white culture, you know, hot dogs and hamburgers and 4th of July. Um, and I like, I, I hate that. I hate that like my parents 
come from a country that's so racist and so embedded in racism and discrimination, segregation, that like they brought that with them when they came to New York, that they wanted to get away from their own culture and they wanted to integrate with white people because it was known as like the posh, like the neighborhood to live in, you know? And I was just like, big fucking deal. Like, I am still shaking my ass and going to the ghetto to shake my ass now at 27. Like, I go shake my ass in Astoria, which isn't the ghetto, but it's it's not the safest area to go shake your ass in at three in the morning. And, you know, like, this just goes to sh- this just goes to sh- this just goes to show that no matter where your parents raise you, no matter what your parents try to do with you, at the end of the day, you're going to make your own decisions. You're going to make your own path, have your own future lined up for yourself, because at the end of the day, your future is what matters and your life is what you make it. Don't live your life for your parents. If, that, if, there's, if there's one thing that you can take away from this entire episode, it's Never live your life for your parents because you are going to live a very sad life. And that's something that I have grown to do because, again, trying to break apart from that, becoming more independent, focusing on myself and focusing on my happiness instead of focusing on, will I make my parents proud? Like me choosing this career of like being a content creator, I was terrified of like not making my parents proud. But my parents are so supportive. My dad is always asking me, oh, when's the next campaign? Or like my dad's always trying to speak like me in my cooking videos, which is very cringe. But it, I, at the end of the day, like, yeah, it's cringe, but I love it. I wouldn't, I would prefer that over parents who don't support me, who, parents who would frankly be embarrassed of acknowledging that like I'm a content creator. Like, You know, the one thing that, like, I will say I've had to work through is, like, not giving a fuck about what my parents think about me. And those are, like, the last two people that I will say, oh, I don't care what they think. At the end of the day, you're going to care what your parents think, especially if you grew up, you know, in a loving and caring home and knowing that your parents did everything they could to raise you right, to raise you with love. Sorry, to raise you with so much love and compassion. Um and for you to care about others you don't want to make them you know upset you don't want them you don't want them to ever regret moving to the united states or you don't want them to regret ever having you have you ever had those moments where you're like god damn do my parents regret having me i've had it several times um but like recently no my my parents should be fucking proud of having a daughter like me i wish my mom got caught up with some of these skanky ass hoes that I had to hang out with sometimes in school and see them and watch their behaviors. And I'm just like, and my mom used to take away my DS in the middle of the night and that was her biggest worry. She would have had bigger fish to fry if I was living my life like so-and-so from middle school. I don't understand. Like I joined the swim team because I wanted the, I was such a pick me in middle school, goddamn. But I joined the swim team in middle school because I thought that it would get me the attention from all the boys. It didn't. 
okay it did not get me the attention but I also did it because my dad was a swimmer when he was in like college and he wanted me to follow in his footsteps of being a swimmer and swimming one of my favorite forms of exercise and I joined the swim team for my dad but also because I wanted to be like the hot girl in school but once I started noticing that my shoulders were getting really broad and my hair was suffering through a lot of breakage I was like this is not for me. <laughs> One last thing that I'll say about being raised by parents where English was not their first language, and then I'm gonna get into your answers, uh, your responses that I asked the question to, you know, for you guys to tell me some of the hardships that you went through growing up as a minority in the United States, first generation to be specific. Um, taking advantage of the fact that my parents' first language was not uh, English, I was able to get away with doing a lot of shit and my parents uh cluelessness and like no self-awareness of like a lot of things like cultural things like things that I used to do like things like on Facebook because my mom since my parents weren't super technologically advanced and because everything was in English I was able to kind of like play the field to the best of my ability with like whether it was making a secret Facebook when Facebook first became a thing, making a an aim, like I couldn't really get, I couldn't have an aim, I couldn't have a MySpace, like, but I was able to get away with doing a lot of secretive shit because of the language barrier and because my parents didn't grow up in the States and that was able to give me that kind of step up where I was able to do a lot of sneaky shit. If there's one thing that strict parents know how to do, they know how to raise some sneaky ass motherfuckers. <laughs> okay, so I asked you guys to send me your responses um, to the prompt. Tell me what it was like being raised as a first generation immigrant child. Does that make sense? Hope so. Um, and I'm just going to read a few of your responses and respond to that. Uh, so the first one that was said a lot was <laughs> translating paperwork to enroll in school. Now, I will say this. When I would get my report cards and stuff, I used to try to fluff it where like my parents couldn't really read the notes that teachers would leave. Like she needs to show improvement. Like my parents wouldn't understand that. So I would tell them like, no, they, they're saying that I'm doing well. And my parents would believe me. My parents want to give me money for the book fair. Now that like we're getting to the end of the episode, I'm getting the ideas that I wanted to say in the middle of the episode that now they're coming to light. I was never given more than like $15 to go to the book fair. And $15 was not enough. I used to get the jumbo pencils and like the jumbo erasers, but like that was it. I never got books, but I wanted more of those knickknacks and I didn't have money for that, but the white kids always got $40, $50, and they would always leave with like giant posters and shit, and then I would leave with a pencil that said, you're doing great. <laughs> I needed that motivation. Um, yeah, but translating paperwork to enroll in school, that shit was, <laughs> that shit was the worst. Like I mentioned before, like with college, when I was going into college, that shit was impossible. Cause like I needed help with like enrolling and everything, but my parents didn't know anything. They didn't know anything. Like forget the language barrier. They just didn't even know how the process was to enroll in college. And I had to find people to help me like guidance counselors. And my dad had to find 
like older people in church that like just graduated college or who were in college to help me out with everything, um, which is embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> this one is kind of like the along the same realm, but it says reading documents to tell my parents what they mean when I don't understand. <laughs> like I would read shit that like my parents had to like fill out like tax forms and like medical forms that like they would be asking me to help them with. And I'm like, I'm 12. I don't know what a W-2 is, mom. Please understand. I don't know what that is. My girl Erica just said no sleepovers. Lol. <laughs> no, literally. It was the fucking worst. I used to hate it when I would go to school on Mondays and then I would hear everybody talking about their sleepovers and they're like, oh my God, yeah. Like she slept over and like we watched movies and like we snuck, we snuck out and we went to Jeremy's house and like the boys were having a sleepover and I'm just sitting there like, yeah, I hope you bitches get caught or kidnapped or something. Go fuck yourselves. Okay, next one was not me, but my boyfriend. He said having a pet, cat or dog, or sl having sleepovers were non-existent. Here's the one thing I'll say. Hispanic parents are fake as fuck when it comes to pets. Because they say they don't want them. And then we get them. And then they end up loving the pet more than they love their kids. That's exactly what happened when we got our first dog. My mom treated that dog like it was her fucking kid. And then we had to give him away because he bit my sister. We should have given my sister up and not the dog. But, you know, what can you do in a moment like that? God, for God forbid I said something like that. I would have gotten in trouble. Um, but after that, we got Tiny, God rest her soul, um, and my mom did not want a new dog after my first dog, Teddy. But my mom loved Tiny more than she loved us. And that is all I'll say about that. <laughs> Someone said guilt about everything. Oh, yeah. You know, parents love to make you feel guilty about everything. But immigrant parents make you feel even worse. Like I said, parents, immigrant parents will always use the I didn't come to this country for nothing excuse oh my like it's like it's it's right there that excuse is right there in the palm of their hands they will use that for anything like i brought you into this world i didn't come to this country with two dollars and on camelback for you to be treating me like this like nobody fucking asked you to come to new york in the prime of crime and for you to live in some room okay and then have me i didn't ask to be born because that's also the thing a lot of parents don't realize they talk to us like we made a choice to make them pregnant like a bitch i did not have sex i did not go through that okay trust me i wouldn't have done that if i had the option next one says learned english and spanish at the same time strict house never believed in santa claus drink coffee at five <laughs> I love the uh, never believed in Santa Claus. My parents tried to preserve that for me. I know a lot of minority households uh, don't do that where like they will, you know, preserve the whole Santa Claus thing. Like, but I found out very early. It was by accident too. Like I found uh, the Santa Claus costume that my dad would wear every year and that kind of ruined it for me. Uh, coffee at five. Um... I was drinking coffee pretty early too, but I didn't like it that much as a kid, so I didn't get addicted to it that quickly, but I 100% know what you're talking about. 
next one says having to mature at such a young age and to hide my emotions really well this one hit really deep because i had to learn how to not let my emotions get the best of me because according to immigrant parents there's no such thing as depression and anxiety you're just sad you're just poor and you just need to go to school and work and work a little harder study a little harder distract yourself a little better because that is the only way that you'll be happy in life not going to therapy not acknowledging your trauma no that's not the answer because that's weakness you can't even show emotion because then it's weakness god I am the way that I am because of my fucking parents. Hold on. Let me process this real quick. It's a sad reality. Even now, my dad has developed really bad anxiety. And no matter how much I try to tell him, like, dad, this is a long, this is a long time coming. Like, you've always been an anxious person. He's like, no, no. I'm like, bro. I'm like, okay. All right. But you, you, you do you, boo-boo. But, um, yeah, no, I always had to hide my emotions well. I couldn't really say what I was feeling because uh, it was a sign of weakness and also my feelings always got pushed to the side. I always got criticized. That's why I say I was made for social media because nothing can fucking tear me up like a hate comment from my parents, okay? Not hate comments online from like Susan with an anime profile photo. Like you really think a hate comment from some stranger in Ohio with an anime profile is going to do something to me? No, trust me. I've been raised my, by my parents all my life. I, I think I've gotten enough hate comments to develop a, a, a tough enough backbone to realize, hey, maybe these hate comments on TikTok aren't so bad. <laughs> Y'all don't know hate comments until you grow up as an immigrant child of first generation. Next up, translating for parents, advocating for self, parents little sis torn between cultures <laughs> oh my god like i i understand this my sister i'm like the mediator of the family now because now that i'm older and i don't live with my parents anymore i see things from a different point of view so when my sister calls me with her bullshit i call my mom to get an understanding of her bullshit and then i report back to my sister and i try to mediate i try to bring resolutions and i hit my sister with the trust me you have it way better than I had it back. Because at the end of the day, it is true. Like, my sister has it so much better compared to how I used to have it. Like, I, I wish I had the struggles that my sister has. Like, my mom has gotten worse, but I think it's also age and menopause. But my mom has definitely gotten worse with her attitudes, with her side comments that, like, can really set someone off. But me, I've learned to just ignore and be like, okay okay i love this this is the same thing but it, this just sounds so funny being my parents personal assistant and translator at every appointment and phone call doctor's appointments were always a hellscape for me because i always have to translate everything i'm like mom why can't you find spanish doctors and then she only found spanish doctors and that was a point where like i knew spanish but the spanish was so fast at that time where i just could not keep up with it <laughs> this one kills me i was the kid looking out my window watching my friends play in the street rikers island oh my god stop that's so painful i know exactly what that's like there's nothing more painful than standing in your window and like just watching the kids playing and it's like dark out and you're just like bro can i go outside and they're just like no and like I was able to play outside and like do all that stuff, but not always. It was like on a good day 
where my mom actually let me go out and play. If my cousins were there, oh yeah, no, because my cousins were older. They were like four or five years older than me. So they were like my guardians. So like I was able to go out with them and play in the street until 10, 11 p.m. in the summer. Um, and that was my escape. That was my way of being able to play out, play outside late at night. Someone said, oh, so many things. Friends not getting why I couldn't sleep over or why I didn't have an allowance. Oh my God. Having to explain to your friends why you weren't allowed to sleep over was a completely different thing. Explaining it to other Hispanic kids was so easy. I'm just like, yeah, I'm Hispanic. They get it. But when I had to explain it to other people, like white people or other minorities where like their parents weren't as strict, it was so fucking hard. And I'm just like, if only you knew. Okay, this last one is just perfect to top it all off, to end it. Learn everything on my own and I still don't know what I'm doing. I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing. How the fuck am I here right now? How have I gotten to 27? I filed my taxes on my own for the first time this year. Last year, it was my dad. And the year before that, yeah, it was also my dad. Um, But I have not been able to do things on my own because I was always left to fend... I was always left to depend on my parents and depend on their help and lean against them because my parents always wanted me to depend on them but at the end but they always wanted me to be independent but I don't know what their version was of independent uh living because that most certainly was not independent living I I'm still lost I lean on Andrew like like he's my fucking dad but that'll do it for today's episode of everything is tragic with hillary star i have been your host hillary star thank you guys for tuning in i will see you guys next week make sure to follow me on all my social media platforms i really appreciate you guys for tuning in i'm having so much fun doing these uh episodes being able to trauma dump and share all my ideas and thoughts with you guys It's a lot of fun, but I hope you guys take care. Bye.